Hey, Mac, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh. Oh, shit. Oh. Oh, shit. Uh, it's a beautiful Friday afternoon, and Tones and Doors are back from 38 Joe Schuster Way. Tones, welcome back to the pod. Why are they letting us keep doing this? I, I don't know. Why? Why haven't they kicked us out of this shit? And like, guys, you're a bunch of losers. Stop talking about our league. No one cares. We care. Well, we have fans abroad. So hopefully, Molly, shout out. Hopefully the fans are still back. And Welcome back officially to everyone to the fourth and long pod on, of course, the All Day Podcast Network. Uh, One podcast still. It's episode 32 with Doors and Tones, and we're back in the big chairs. Tones, we've been giddy over the past couple weeks for this. Yes, man. COVID is the worst thing ever, and we have fantasy football to take our minds off of this shit. I was so worried about this in the summer. I'm like, man, if we get no football and then no fantasy too, like, might as well just fold up shop 2020, call it a day. But we're going to end strong with this league. It was only a month after Super Bowl that everything shut down and NFL seemed to work itself into this beautiful little pocket where they had no nothing going on and now here they are and they're back. We're going to play a season, we're going to have fantasy. Hopefully everything goes okay, but we're not here to talk about the problems in the world and what's going on. We're talking about the keeper deadline which has come and gone. It's Are you all fucked up? <laughs> yeah. We're we're talking about keeper reaction. We're going to break down who took who why they may have done it, and we're also, Tone's going to use our very intelligent brains to explain who has the best keepers ranking style. Oof. Explain it to the people. So basically what we did is we took each of the keepers that you guys took, um, took the total ADP based on Fantasy Pros, I believe. Fantasy Pros used. overall rankings. Yeah. Take those three, add them together, divide it by three for each guy that you have, and now we come up with a number. And Rob is going to really appreciate the fact that we took... Uh, stats and did mean, median, and mode to figure this out. But anyway, <laughs> take uh, it back to grade five. Here. The math guys here on the pod. But uh, basically, you came up with a number, and we're going to rank those numbers from worst to first to figure out who's going in in the best position. Maybe some not so surprises at the top, but there are definitely some. So if you have a problem with where you rank, don't take it up with us. Take it up with fantasy pros. Exactly. They're the ones that hate your fucking players, not us. It's always been completely our decision as to where we want to power rank guys, but this has nothing to do with it. We're just talking straight numbers. This is who you kept and who you've been stuck with. So do we want to start? Let's do it. Let's, Let's jump 10. in. Let's jump in. We love the guy, but his keeper's not the best. And Franco comes in at number 10. We've got Alvin Kamara, 6th ranked. Travis Kelsey, 17th ranked. Kareem Hunt, 70th ranked to come up with a number of 46 Point three. So let's start with the glaringly obvious here, Tones, because we have to talk about Kareem Hunt, and the question, I believe, is just why. I have that same question. When I saw that it was Hunt as the third guy, I literally, like, thought you had a typo to me. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Kareem Hunt, first of all, didn't even remember he was on his team. Second, all year last year, anyone who talked trade with him, anyone, which I assume was the majority of this league because he was a big seller, he was talking up guys like Christian Kirk, Michael Gallup, DJ Chark, as, oh, these guys are keeper caliber wide receivers. I need a lot for them. And we were all scoffing, like, okay, relax. He had a chance to keep one of those three players that he mentioned, elects not to keep any of them, sends them back in the draft and takes a second running back, even though I'm pretty sure it's the worst kept secret in the world, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is probably gonna be the first overall pick. So three running backs, it has to mean something with the RB flex going into next year. 
has to. With the announcement that we're going to have, and everyone knows by now, we'll have a running back flex as well as wide receiver and tight end. That'll be one big grouping. It starts next season. If he does end up taking Clyde, and we're not going to speculate too much, but if he does do that, having those two guys it would, would, you know, obviously set up well for the future. But maybe he's thinking if anything happens with Kamara and his contract, if anything happens to Clyde because he's a rookie, maybe he doesn't really fit in. I don't know what necessarily is going to happen, but maybe he looks at that as a guy for the future. And Hunt, he probably believes, is an RB2, solid. They're going to run the ball more in Cleveland this year. With Stefanski there, I do believe that that's going to be a strategy that they try to employ. Maybe he thinks that Chubb and Hunt are going to split the backfield. Maybe he's the pass catching back. Maybe he somehow gets more work. I don't know. Well, he is the pass catcher. Like, he's going to get work there no matter what. But is he going to get enough work to be an RB2 in a non-PPR league? I'm not sure what the answer to that is. It's probably not. I'm just looking at the draft board, and I'm like, okay, he's got first overall. He has the majority of his picks. He then picks at the back of the second round, start of the third. I'm looking at it thinking like, okay, maybe he's thinking the Gallops, the Kirks, the Charks will be there for him to take, and he'll have his three running backs, which I proved as last year was a beautiful thing to have, three guys that you can rely on, and he's just going to draft nothing but wide receivers after that first pick. Maybe that's the strat, maybe not, but I think if he's going into it thinking, oh, this is a next year move, like think about it, we have this whole season to play out. Kareem Hunt's a big time trade candidate. If they're a 500 team, 12 games into the season, they're trading that guy. He's yep. got it's a contract year, so that could potentially play out. And then there is a whole nother offseason plus a whole nother draft. Yep. To get your third RB flex guy now seems a little bit weird. And to circle back on the Kamara thing, you, you touched on it earlier, I don't think you should have any worries about Kamara. The Saints are going all in this year. He's back at practice. They'll probably get a deal done before their first game on next Sunday and he's going to be fine. So I don't think Franco has any worries about Kamara, but hey, maybe that did factor into the decision. The last thing I'll say is I do feel like it's more of an indictment on how he feels about the three wide receivers he wanted to hold on to. Obviously, Kirk and Gallup are not going anywhere near the top of draft list right now, but Chark is being looked at as a a possible wide receiver 2-3 this year. Mm -hmm. Jacksonville's a disaster, though, and obviously that's not a situation he believes in for a guy that he wants to keep. So we'll move on to number nine, and we've got Rob coming in at number nine. And he's got Austin Eckler sitting at 22, Mike Evans at 26, and A.J. Brown at number 30. So A.J. Brown is the interesting one here. I think he's the guy that we really have to talk about because we all knew that Evans and Eckler were guys that he held on to. But this is a guy who sold off pieces last year, including Todd Gurley. We didn't necessarily know who that third keeper was going to be with Melvin Gordon switching teams. Melvin's been with him for the last three years. That's an interesting decision. It is, and... I understand. I'm a guy that like doesn't like players in new situations and players switching teams and stuff like that. So I understand him being like, well, that Philip Lindsay, how's that going to work? Is that going to be more of a committee than Melvin Gordon's ever been used to? Um, so an interesting decision there. I think the upside with AJ Brown is worth taking the shot on. He's being drafted as like a top 10 wide receiver right now, which for Tennessee is like, my only concern there is like they don't throw the ball that much. So he needs to be as efficient as he was last year. He has all the talent in the world to keep doing what he did last year. I look at Rob's keepers and I see nothing but upside. Eckler can be unbelievable without Melvin Gordon there. He's arguably their second best wide receiver after Keenan Allen. Mike Williams is already banged up, so that's going to help. Mike Evans with Tom Brady is going to be a touchdown fucking machine. I'm not sure the yardage will be there as much as it has been in the past, but like you could see 900 yards, 12, 13 touchdowns for Mike Evans easily, if not more. And A.J. Brown, I mean, the sky's the limit. 
I, I love taking a shot on a guy with that much talent at wide receiver. It's a hard position to get. The interesting thing for me is the actual ADP rankings of Evans compared to Brown. We've we've known that Mike Evans has been a stud mm-hmm. for all these years. He comes in at 26. A.J. Brown just four spots behind. And we're not just talking wide receiver wank- rankings. Excuse me. We're talking wankings. About- wankings. Woo! We're talking about overall rankings. And A.J. Brown sitting just four spots behind him. My concern, my only concern, and I love the talent of A.J. Brown, my only concern is Ryan Tannehill. It, mm-hmm. And as a guy who has always been a Tannehill believer, he knocked everyone's socks off last year. He can't be better than he was last year. A.J. Brown just needs to be better so that Tannehill can just get him the ball. For sure. And of course, he was he's a, he was a rookie last year, correct? Yep. Second year, a lot's going to change. And I do think, I said this to Rob last night, I think he made the right choice. No indictment on Melvin Gordon, but I do think that A.J. Brown's going to be a really good player. To your point, I think... I wouldn't be surprised if last year was the ceiling for A.J. Brown. He did not have a lot of receptions, did not have a lot of targets compared to the other players going in the top 10 at wide receiver. So I don't think that's going to change. That offense runs through Derrick Henry, period. That's it. Like, here, they're giving him the rock. That's that. Like, he might have games where he has three catches, and if he doesn't break off that big one for 40 yards in a touchdown, it could be three catches for 32 yards, and you're disappointed. But... I'm willing to bet on AJ Brown. I think he's going to be pretty good. Yeah, and it's an it's a it's a it feels like a safe pick for a young guy, especially considering how many picks we know Rob has in this year to help bolster his team. But we move on. We've got a tie. Oh, for seven. So we're obviously skipping eight. But let's start with me. Josh Jacobs at nine. Adam Thielen at thirty-three, and Odell right behind him at thirty-four for a total of twenty-five. So, <laughs> do you want to take it from here? <laughs> Yeah, um, the tiebreaker here, the tie is between you and CRG. The yes. tiebreaker being, I just decided, hey, like, the best player, wherever that player is ranked, if it's, it, take both your best players, the higher ranking goes. So CRG has Mixon one spot ahead of Josh Jacobs. Yep. Jacobs was a straight-up lock. After that, you had a lot of decisions to make. It was yep. pretty much all these dudes in a similar, like, tier where there's so many question marks. Some have been has been, some have future potential after even this year a guy like juju for example who's still so young then there's guys like Thielen, who i thought having talked to you and you weren't even mentioning him i was like who are you keeping you weren't even mentioning Thielen. i'm like oh my god this guy's crazy no stefan Diggs. yes they're a run first team but Thielen, man we were gushing i think it was like the week 10 pod last year we we're looking at his like weekly finishes every week it was so weird we said it we were so aesthetically pleasing 12 points, 13 points, 15 points, so consistent. He was unbelievable before he got hurt. But knowing you, you're an emotional fantasy player. He burned you last year. You yeah. trade for him, he gets you one snap for zero yards, zero points. And I'm like, oh, he did him dirty. He's never looking at Adam Thielen ever again. But it was an interesting choice, man. Like, walk us through what you were thinking there. Well, honestly, at the beginning when I was looking at my guys, I have always been a think-with-my-heart-and-not-my-head kind of fantasy player, and that hasn't exactly gotten me the places I need to go (laughs) in this league. So it's time to start using my head, and when I first started thinking about who I was going to keep, yeah, you're right. You you nailed it on the head. I really thought the Thielen did me dirty, and between him and Amari, I was just upset. And I was looking at Juju being like, a young guy with Ben back... There's a lot of potential here, and I still believe in Juju as a receiver, especially considering they're going to use him properly this year, even without AB being there. But the athleticism of Odell, the opportunity for Thielen, and a guy who, if you look at the, if you look at wide receiver stats over the past 
three years for times that he's been on the field, he's within the top five of so many different categories. It's insane. And like you said, he's the only guy there this time. And and he has a great rapport with his quarterback. So, I mean, it actually started to become the decision between Odell and somebody else because that was maybe a heart pick, but I stuck with it because I do think that he's going to have a much, much better season in Cleveland this year. So, yeah, Thielen, I like it. I like it a lot. I'm, I'm happy with the decision. It hurts letting Amari and Juju go because I think that those guys are going to be really good this year. I'll be both first-rounders. And, and that's the thing, right, is that in other seasons, I wouldn't have had such a difficult time knowing that I might be able to redraft one of those guys, but I don't have a first-round pick. So that's why this decision was extra important this year, and I took a lot of time to make it. The sad thing for me is Le'Veon, but it was never even a question. It's just sad to see him finally go. You had, you gave him, what was it last year? Eulogy? What was it? The Ode. The Ode. You, yeah. you, that ship was gone, man. I was like, I'm not keeping Lev. Like, no. and it might burn you, man. Like, he's one of the few bell cows in the league, regardless of how they use him or not. Like, he could be a guy that yeah. ends up returning high-end, like, RB2 value, right? Yeah. I don't think, I think his RB1 days are done, but like, hey, let's see if he's available to you in the second round. I see you, and I'm looking at the squad real quick. Just to wrap it up, yep. I think you are at a crossroads this year when I see this team. If Odell has repeats what he did last year and doesn't return, like, he has to return to a top 10 wide receiver this year or else it's kind of like he's just a redraft player. He's just going to go in the top six picks every single year for yep. the next while. Like, he's going to be what Adam Thielen's been in the last couple years. He's every year he's just back. Right. He's just yeah. back in the draft. And if that happens, you actually have a chance to sell for the first time ever. And I think you're thinking about this already because I see this. I go, Josh Jacobs, young guy, exciting. Odell might be kind of washed in a bad situation. Thielen, going to be 31 this year. If he gets banged up again, now that's he's burning you twice, right? Things could go south for you real fast. And it's crazy because you're still going to figure it out and make the playoffs and <laughs> draft some fucking ungodly defense or some ridiculous <laughs> kicker that gets you 30 points a week. But you're going to be a guy at the start of the year that I'm going to be keeping my eye on. If you have a one and two start, yeah. it's you're going to have a real, real decision to make because you've got to get younger here, I think, for sure. And you've got to get more exciting here. J- Jacobs is awesome. I think he's going to be amazing. But you're at a crossroads for sure. On to CRG. Yeah, the last thing I was going to say is that Dan spent a long time on our pod in one episode last year talking about the early seller and yep. what that means. It's something I've thought about, but we got to get through the draft first. So... Yes, go ahead. CRG. CRG is the other tied for seventh. He has Joe Mixon, who just signed a contract extension. He's going to be great. Eighth overall player. Devontae Adams, 12th overall. Hey, sounds pretty good. Uh-oh. Russ Wilson, 56. CRG could have had among the best keepers in this league if he had that third guy. And his decision, you're telling me, was between Marlon Mack and Russell Wilson. That's correct. What would you have done here? I like keeping Russ simply for the fact that he's got so much... He he has so many draft picks, especially early. I mean, he's got back-to-back picks at 4 and 5 in the draft. By getting the quarterback out of the way, and a guy who you know is going to be a top 5 QB every year, it seems like Russ is just consistent. Mac, to me, is the second guy behind a really, really good guy that they drafted that they think is their future in Jonathan Taylor. Don't draft Jonathan Taylor, guys. Um, (laughs) But... It seems like it's going to be a 50-50 split yeah. most of the year. If you're, Mac is still going to have value. If you're CRG, you've got a really good running back, you've got a really good wide receiver, and you have your quarterback. And with all of these picks that you have, you're going to go RB wide receiver for the first four rounds, and you have three, you have four or five picks in the first three rounds. So, I mean, I like the pick only because he's got his QB out of the way, and now he can just 
load up on the skill players that he needs. He needs to find that third guy this year, whether it's in the draft, by trade, because then if he does, he has a chance to become a real contender in this league as soon as this season. Yeah. If he hits on that, I think he was, what, the fifth and sixth picks? If he hits on just one of those picks and that dude's, sorry, he has the fourth and fifth. Yes. And that dude, one of those dudes becomes that third keeper. Let's say, I don't know, let's say by some divine miracle, Kenny Galladay falls to him at four and he drafts him. Uh-oh. Like, Devontae Adams, Kenny Galladay, Joe Mixon is a hell of a start to your team. And yeah, like you said, quarterback's locked up. You don't have to worry about that. Keep loading up on receivers. CRG is interesting going into the year. I think next year, if we do the same thing for the keeper situation, he could be way up there in the top three yep. as opposed to tied for seventh. The only thing is that we have to remember that it's Christian Genera drafting, and he is going to find a way to strike piss each one <laughs> of those picks that he has right away. Fourth overall pick, he announces Joe Mixon. Like, yeah. you already have him, CRG. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> Stop! It's inevitable. <laughs> Yeah, definitely interesting because this is a year. He, we talked about it going into last year that he was one of the two teams that had made the playoffs every year. He did the full sell. I ended up trading him Mark Ingram, looking at his team, mm-hmm. thinking, well, you're trading, you know, you're losing Amari Cooper, you're losing Adam Thielen, you're losing guys who you could keep. Here's Ingram. He turns around, flips Ingram, and then comes into this year without that third keeper. And that is a strategy that not a lot of guys in our league have typically employed because we want to keep three guys on our roster knowing that going into next season, we'll have our our, our keepers locked and loaded. Christian didn't care. He's yeah. like, I'll figure it out later. Give me all of the picks, yep. and I'm going to build through the draft. And we've seen teams win in this league that way. Rob did it. Dan's done it. Mike's done it. So good for him. We'll see if it works out. Moving on. Next on the list. It's Ryan. Ryan, number six. Julio Jones, 14th ranked player. That's his best. Lamar Jackson, a quarterback being kept. The second one in this year, yeah. which is shocking. Uh, he's coming in at 27, and James Conner at 29. I thought Lamar was a straight-up lock. I know a lot of people do not like the keeping the quarterback. I kept a quarterback once upon a time after Andrew Luck's like 40-touchdown ridiculous year. didn't work out for me. seems like most of the time when people keep quarterbacks, it doesn't work out. They don't return the value. But I think Lamar is the exception. He's a fucking RB1 that just happens to throw 25-plus touchdowns a year. He's a freak of nature. He was the biggest reason why Ryan was competitive last year. But I think the big decision for him was Connor Gurley, right? Yeah. Connor Gurley as well. You can probably put Cup in that conversation. I don't know if it was Connor versus Gurley and then Lamar versus Cup. But I know he was on the fence about Lamar. We were texting about this last night before the deadline. But he's just worried that teams are going to figure him out. Guys are going to figure out exactly how to do it. My thinking is you can't figure him out. Like, especially not now. We saw Mike Vick do this to the league for years, and teams didn't just figure it out. It's really hard, especially when he has weapons around him. He's got three running backs who can run. You've got two or three receivers who can catch. This is a really dynamic offense, and he's a smart quarterback. So I don't think that teams are going to figure him out. Let's talk about Gurley. It's a guy who he makes a trade with Rob for, gets rid of a first-round pick, Mm -hmm. and a lot of times, we talked about it with me, when you trade a first-round pick, it's almost like, do you feel inclined to keep that guy because you spent it, or are you okay getting rid of the guy? He ends up cutting ties. And James Conner and Todd Gurley are both guys who have had injury problems, and they've been guys who have been off the field a lot more than they've been on recently. Mm -hmm. It's easy to look back a couple years ago and think, oh, Todd Gurley, oh, Todd Gurley. But he made, I, I, I feel like he made the right decision there for letting go of a guy who literally has no knees. This is one of those things that, like, I think Connor and Gurley are, like, 
if you're making rankings, are probably tied in the same exact spot, like for RB, wherever you think they're going to be. Like they're kind of lumped together as, like you said, two injury-prone guys that are bell cows in the league. The tiebreaker might have been Gurley in a new situation. Him in Atlanta is really interesting. It's, as a Saints fan, I'm not that scared of him, but like he's going to get work. They keep talking about he's going to be a 15 to 25 touch guy every single week. He's going to be the bell cow. And this league, there's like, you can count them. There's maybe eight bell cows. He had two of them in his grasp, gives up one because of the injury situation. I don't blame him at all, but it really could bite him in the butt. Like what if Gurley returns back to form and the knees are fine this year and he just plows in a bunch of touchdowns like he did last year with, with some low yardage and James Conner plays six games. Yeah. He's going to be kicking himself in the back of the head, and then all of a sudden, he's a guy that falls out of a playoff picture and is probably in the loser bracket next year without some big-time moves by Ryan. But yeah, he's uh, I like his first two guys. There's question marks with the third. I think that's a pretty standard theme throughout this entire uh, throughout this entire keeper pod. Yeah, and Cooper Cup is a very, very. I feel like that's a, that would have been the safest pick out of any of the guys who he was debating between. But he obviously wanted to go with upside and, and he anointed totally, him last year right yeah. in our group chat after like week five he was so good he's like he might be my new keeper and i was like oh shit if there's anyone interesting if there's anyone throwing smoke and shade in this league it's it's, it's ryan, ryan it's yeah. ryan Orwell. smartest guy in the league absolutely we've gone through half half we're down to the we're up to the top five and number five is richard david martin ben the Ooh. guy who declared on this pod last year at the beginning of the season that he was going to win the whole damn thing and anything less than that was going to be a disappointment and what a year he had first in the regular season mm-hmm. called him out it was fantastic little yep. uh, little little drop there in that podcast <laughs> but he comes in for the keepers here at number five he's got Dalvin Cook absolute stud coming in at five Tyree Kill at 13 and then the drop off is what kind of pushes him back in the rankings and that's David Johnson at 41 he had decisions to make on only one of these guys because two are absolute studs in the league Let's talk about that decision. Yeah, so he keeps he likes to keep the running back, which I like. DJ. It's it's really fun to go into the draft having two running backs. Opens you up to you don't have to take a guy. For example, you as a one running back guy, like second round, you're sitting there going, fuck. Like I pretty much have to take a running back here or else I'm kind of fucked. So I like keeping that dude. I think he elected for the safe the safest out of the four guys, right? Dropping McLaurin, dropping Devontae Parker, who was incredible for him last year, was probably the reason he was the number one seed. And dropping Mark Ingram, best rushing attack in the league, plowed in a million touchdowns, as you know, last year. Um, I think he kept the safest, least volatile guy. I'm surprised because DJ did him dirty last year. He was really not good for, for Rich last year, and he was really frustrated by him. Houston, new situation. It's going to get a ton of work. You don't trade for a guy like him giving up DeAndre Hopkins and not give him the rock. With Duke Johnson as your only other option. Yes. So new opportunities can be tough. And I know that firsthand after Le'Veon went to New York last year. But this feels different because DJ's younger. When he is, when he's at his best, he is scary. And I still think that there's a lot of that still in him. It's just been injuries that have hindered him, not a lack of opportunity or a lack of faith from coaches. And if Duke Johnson is the only guy behind him, that's definitely the most opportunity that you can get. So I like the situation with DJ. I'm kind of sad he's not going back in. And the interesting thing for me, it wasn't even McLaurin or Parker. It was between him and Ingram. And I guess he just sees regression coming and doesn't feel like that's something that, especially with Lamar Jackson being Lamar Jackson. For sure. He's going to take away touches, and they should probably throw the ball more this year, but... 
Are we worried about Cook's contract situation? Is he holding out? Apparently, no, but, like, no one's really holding out anymore. You're not even allowed to. Like, it's a $40,000 fucking fine every single day you miss out. Yeah. It seems like the latest is that negotiations have kind of stalled. I don't know what that means. We could be entering a situation where he's like, yo, week one, I'm sitting out. Like, that could be the new holdout. It's not training camp. It's actual games. This is an option for Kamara as well. I think they're a bit different situations, but... Man, like, I would be a little concerned. I would be a little concerned. The only reason why I'm not concerned is because if there's anyone who drafts their handcuff four rounds yes. sooner than anyone else will, Alexander Madison will be going to the rich in the fourth round. Love that, it. That's, that's all I'm saying. Please do. Especially considering what happened to him last year with Cook being. I mean, there's no one I can think of in this league who has had more issues with running backs. Not his fault. But I remember, he's owned the Arizona backfield, yeah. like, twice in seven years. Like, he's had the entire backfield on his team, and no fault of his own, but doesn't know which guy to start. Yep. So, my point is, if there's any guy who's going to draft a handcuff, it's going to be him. And Madison will be on Rich's... I don't care where he goes. Unless someone in this league listening to this pod is taking him in the top three rounds, he will be on Rich's team, <laughs> and it won't be an issue. Because Cook got hurt on him last year, too. Yep. So, I think... He's uh, still he's still an injury-prone guy. We can't forget about that. He had a healthy year last year, and for the most part, his healthiest year. But, yeah, it could go could go south. Let's move on to number four, <clears throat> where Nikki D has the best player in fantasy. He's pretty good. With Christian McCaffrey. Number one, he's got DeAndre Hopkins, sits at 23, and Allen Robinson at 31. That's the interesting pick right there. Honestly... Even before him getting cut, Allen Robinson was the guy over Leonard Fournette. Mm-hmm. I was sitting there going, "Oh my God!" If he keeps Leonard Fournette, and Allen Robinson goes back. At, Allen Robinson goes back in the draft. That is crazy. But are we allowed to take your word for it? Because being a yes. former Fournette owner, you seem to have more. He fucking bias sucks, here. man. He's bad. He's not good at football. A like, former first overall pick mm-hmm. in our league, I believe, is in twenty seven. How unlucky! And uh, I think it was twenty seventeen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man, I would have just. If he was staying in Jacksonville, oh, yeah, he's going to get all the work. He's going to get all the work. Last year was the ceiling for his work. He will never get more work than that for the rest of his career. And he still didn't do much for it. Oh, he only had three touchdowns. That's got to go up. Does it? They might win one game this year. Like, max. Like, they're not going to have a lot of red zone looks. Fournette is a problem. And now in Tampa Bay, you got notorious liar Bruce Arians already saying that Rojo's still the guy. We'll see. It's definitely going to take him a few weeks to get acclimated. I don't know. I think I think from the start, if we were doing this a month ago, it should have been Allen Robinson all the way. He could lead the league in targets this year. You and I both didn't like him halfway through the year last year, and then he fucking took off. Yeah. They finally realized that, hey, this offense has to go through this guy. No matter how bad Trubisky or Foles are, feed the man. He's going to catch that thing. He's a beast. Well, I don't think... I don't think Trubisky can get any worse than he was no. through stretches last year. And Allen Robinson was still a wide receiver, too, to the point where Nick felt comfortable trading for him despite a bad quarterback situation. And the rest of the team, frankly, wasn't even that good. But he kept getting the ball. And for him to make that trade, for him to keep him because of how he feels, I mean, that's... that's He, I, he made the right choice, I think. But, like, yep. he's only going to be better, is my point, is yep. what I'm trying to say. He was seventh last year in receptions. Yeah. And he was third in targets. That could actually go up, which is insanity. Yeah. All right, moving on. Yeah, I'll What's tee next. You up. Oh, it's me. <laughs> How am I third? This gets interesting because we've only got three guys left. One is probably a no-brainer, but three and two to me are so so interesting. We've got you, 
and your highest ranked guy being Miles Sanders at 14, Aaron Jones at 16, George Kittle at 19. The interesting thing for me is that Sanders, you took, I believe you took three running backs last year. You took Montgomery, you took Sanders. Was there another guy, another young guy that you took a chance? I took a lot of running backs. You had five running backs, and you could only start two. And on a weekly basis, you made all these decisions. You stuck it out. Had the season you did. We'll leave that alone. But Miles Sanders emerging as one of those guys to be your now highest-ranked guy, that's a pretty big deal. And that's exactly what we're talking about, restocking. When we go back to CRG, restocking mm-hmm. the coverage on those early rounds. You did that, and now you have a guy who's ranked higher than the rest of your guys. I think the interesting thing is outside of your running backs. It's George Kittle, because mm. you said all year long to Mike, you traded a keeper, you traded a keeper, and DJ Moore. You make the decision to keep Kittle over DJ Moore. Tell me why. I... Had a real honest conversation with myself. I don't like keeping tight ends. I just don't. It's a onesie position. Unless it's Travis Kelsey, who's basically a receiver and not a tight end. He doesn't block. Like, it's... I don't want to keep a tight end. I just... Especially now, like, I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me on this, but, like, I think there's an influx of talent coming at the tight end position, and this could be the year that we see it. I think this year there could be multiple Mark Andrews and Darren Wallers who just emerge out of thin air and turn into absolute studs. But having Kittle is a huge advantage, and he is basically a wide receiver two at worst. Last year, I remember thinking back, oh my God, he had three touchdowns called back from holding calls. The team was so good. They were up so early in these games. Like they had three touchdown leads in like early second quarter. Why the fuck would you ever run or pass the ball ever again? They're a run-first team, yes, but if this year that defense regresses, which I think they will in a tough NFC, they're throwing the rock a lot more, it's Kittle. What made it easier? Every single wide receiver on the fucking Niners is dead. They are all banged up. Kittle's going to get fucking fed. It's going to be great. And honestly, I looked at my past mistakes. I looked at the past drafts. I drafted Devontae fucking Parker twice in the second round. I drafted... Fucking who the fuck who was Kevin Hogan or something like that Chris Hogan Hogan. like I get enamored with these like young upside guys wide receivers specifically and I just go like oh my god like this is going to be the year they break out I think DJ Moore's a good player new offense new head coach Christian McCaffrey's still going to catch a hundred balls there is a range of outcomes where DJ Moore underwhelms this year why am I going to take that gamble just take the safe guy and Kittle and figure it out later. So that's what I'm doing. No one watched more of the 49ers last year, I believe, than you did because, you know, I mean, you're locked into football every Sunday, but you were watching Kittle. And like you said, he got all these, he had all these touchdowns taken back, all these big yardage plays, and we know what he's capable of. We saw him the year before with no one there and no quarterback be an absolute machine. Obviously, you're looking at this guy as being a better receiver than DJ Moore is, and I understand. So getting that, especially with the tight end position. Having that locked up and having a guy that you can just rely on, even in an off year last year, he was still the third-ranked tight end right Crazy. behind Mark Andrews. Crazy. And he should have been better. With 20 more points, he would have passed Travis Kelsey. Yep. So, I mean, a lot of people in this league were hoping that you're going to let him go back into the draft. But The thing I'm excited about is having two running backs that I'm legitimately excited about. For yeah. the first time in like what feels like since year one of this league when I had fucking Matt Forte... Yeah. Have I ever been this comfortable? Sanders is already a little banged up. They haven't brought in any veterans, anything. Like, he's going to be fine, and he's going to get a ton of work. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon can suck my dick. Like, that guy's not doing anything. Jones is going to regress touchdown-wise, but he's still going to be at least a low-end RB1. That is exciting to me. I just have to now draft properly 
and I could actually be a good team. The fact that I'm third on this list is fucking nuts. Compared that to last year, yep. where I had like questions around every single keeper I had. Tonio Brown, Leonard Fournette, Aaron Jones hadn't proved much yet. Like now it's so different and it's genuinely exciting. I'm fired up. Let's it's, go. It's very exciting to have the two rock solid running backs because it's rare these days that we get it. With all the committees we have, it's rare to see. And the next guy on this list has what he believes to be three rock solid running backs. The first time we've ever seen this before. This guy, Mike Dotto, keeping Ezekiel Elliott, the third ranked player, Derrick Henry, the fourth ranked player, and Kenyon Drake, the 15th somehow, the 15th ranked player. Mike comes in at number two. It was a no-brainer for Mike. He traded everybody else. It was always going to be these three guys. He's actually been looking to offload one of these guys, but he's asking for the moon to everybody. No surprise. So, Mike Dotto, the second best player in fantasy? Is that how we're looking at it this year? Crazy. Obviously, that's not it. But, I mean, what's interesting to me is how not good you and Mike have been over the past Mm -hmm. few years in terms of the standings, and now you guys have these excellent keepers and actual hope for a great season. Now you have to draft properly. Is Mike Dotto, with all of his picks and all his wheeling and dealing, do you think Mike Dotto is going to draft proper to win? I do, and here's why. <laughs> I, I was texting with Mike, and I'm like, dude, you're chilling. Like, he is in such a good spot. He picks third. There's going to be a really good wide receiver there. And that back when I was thinking, oh, my God, is Allen Robinson going to drop? And then there's your fucking wide receiver one. Boom, you're chilling, man. Like, he has three running backs that are so good you can just load up wide receiver. Just load up constantly. Get some, get a couple good tight ends in there. You can draft quarterback early if he wants yes. to. Like, not worrying about the running back position is so fucking nice. And yeah, like you said, I think Mike should wait on the trade situation. Just chill. Wait for a big injury to happen. Like, you know, I don't want to sit here and tell people what to do in our league and give them advice because, like, I'm the last person that should be doing that. But... Like, just wait. Someone's going to have a big injury, and they're going to call him up and be super desperate, and you can get a fucking first-round pick for that guy or get a super good wide receiver for him. Like, this is a big opportunity for Mike. He has a chance to change his fantasy fortunes and prove that his championship wasn't a fluke. Now, if he drafts a bunch of chump receivers, I'm going to be the first one to call him out and laugh in his face. But, man, he has a great opportunity here. What I'm most impressed about with Mike is that For a guy who has admitted to be not plugged into football for as many years as he has, especially during his down years, first of all, first thing I'll say is this is his year to win because the way that our league has (laughs) gone with, you know, the people who win, it goes goes Nick and then Dan and then uh, Mike and then Rob and then it resets. So this is Mike's year. The fuck are we all doing? What I'm so impressed about is that Zeke was his first overall pick in 2016, I believe. He won that year. Henry and Drake... I can't recall off the top of my head, and I should know this going in, but I don't. I don't remember how exactly he got Henry, Henry, whether that was with a pickup or a trade, but either way. And Kenyon Drake, he just got. Late in the season, he just ended up being the guy. He spends a little fab. Here he is, and now he's got these two guys. It's not like he drafted these guys in the first right. few rounds and has hung on to them. I've had Odell on my team since year one. Good decision? Who knows? I, I, I can't believe that Mike has actually used the waiver wire trades whatever it has whatever have you to like get these guys restock and now he comes in sitting second on this list it's really impressive and considering how much draft research he's doing to prep for this knowing that this is an important year it impresses the hell out of me i mean 
I saw his little sheet, dissect, zoomed in real quick, and he had notables Gronk underlined. I'm like, okay, maybe he's not doing the right <laughs> research, but um, yeah, like it's it's crazy. Like he did kind of fall ass backwards into this, and good on him. Like I'll, I've admitted defeat before, I'll admit it again. Derrick Henry, I was wrong. He is unbelievable and is going to be great this year barring health that's my big issue with him he's so fucking big when do those ankles go but him and henry or him and zeke as a duo is impossible to stop right now this is reminiscent to me as when rob had melvin gordon and todd Gurley firing on all cylinders 25 points a week that is going to happen some weeks for mike dotto and like we said before six wins then you're in if he has three or four weeks out of those guys or they're both getting 20, 25 points at minimum, which is so realistic, put it in the bank. That's a dub. Like, no one's beating him. We've seen Nick Dotto make the finals on the back of Christian McCaffrey and a bunch of guys at receiver kind of helping him out. And maybe no one that stands out. And we saw Rob do it with Gurley and Gordon and Mike Evans and kind of just a bunch of guys. Yep. I remember some of the guys he was putting into his flex the year that he won. It was a complete farce. And I can't give you names. I don't recall. But I remember I'm like, he's being carried by three or four players, and that's it. But sometimes New England's defense puts up 50 points in a week, and all of a sudden hey. you're in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, 100%. And, like, that's, like, like you're, what happened to you? He beat you, right? And yes. he, like, he Mike is aggressive when he knows he can be, yeah. right? And if he is one of the top, let's say he's a top three team, you know, whatever his wide receiver situation is, whatever his tight end or quarterback situation is, he is going to give up picks or a Kenyon Drake or even a Derrick Henry, depending on how Drake does, gives up one of these guys to make sure he balances out that roster. He's just got to get to that point. Yep. And that's going to happen with the first few rounds of this draft. Really excited to see what he does. And it's league- crazy to me that, sorry, to, go ahead. It's crazy to me that, like, like, we talked all year last year about a changing of the guard. Yes. Mike is a representation of this changing of the guard. Yeah. Mike could be the one seed in the league. There is a real... I can't believe I'm fucking saying this right now. There is a real... Like, I'm just trying to picture it. If Mike's undefeated after week five, yeah. are you surprised at this point with these keepers? I'm not. Not with the keepers and not with the picks. Crazy, man. Yeah. Crazy. It's crazy to me to think that where Rob's... The state of Rob's team at the end of last year and CRG and Mike... I think those could be three of the top four teams in the league after the first few weeks. Crazy. Considering their keepers. But anyway, moving on to obviously the number one because this guy had one of the most dominant (sighs) postseasons. He had the most dominant postseason we've ever seen, and he did it on the back of his three keepers, to be perfectly honest. Mm -hmm. As well as, oh, by the way, Chris Godwin, who he put back into the draft. But And Kenny Galladay. And Kenny Galladay. And Mark Andrews. What a joke. Ridiculous. And Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes. Literally all four of the players we just named are first-round picks. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> like, <laughs> Dan with Saquon Barkley, the number two-ranked player. Chubb, seventh. Mike Thomas, 11. Dan just keeps winning shit in this league. So and it's, annoying. It's on the backs of these guys, and they're all young, and they're all good. And I don't think there's much to say because we keep doing this with Dan, and we don't know if there's much to say about his team when it just does so well, but there's no surprises here. I'll say this. we You just mentioned on how Mike figured out his keeper situation in unconventional ways look at dan's team like this he is the definition of you don't need a ton of early picks or tank for three straight years to be good in this league saquon barkley the exception number one overall pick yep. no brainer okay nick chubb traded a fifth to from rich, rich yeah. there to rich to get chubb after only like a couple weeks of being really good he yep. just saw something in him good on him well done Mike Thomas was like a fucking 10th round pick. Again, where the fuck was I sleeping somewhere during the draft? 
Like, that's amazing. He has the best wide receiver in football. Yeah. I think Saquon has a real chance to unseed Christian McCaffrey this year as the number one wide receiver. And Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt or not, like, he's going to be a top 10 running back barring health. Yep. They love him. He's incredible. Like, him is just health. Saquon, he somehow managed to still be incredible last year with Saquon missing a lot of time. If Saquon gets banged up again this year, that's going to raise the alarm bells a little bit for Dan, I think. He's an incredible player, but, like, two straight years of getting banged up like that is not good. We're entering, like, okay, Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, like, super talented, but, like, you know, is this guy going to be healthy? Can I rely on him year in, year out? What's great about having three solid keepers is that he goes into this year without a first-round pick, and it doesn't even matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter at you're all. not looking with that first-round pick, and I know that it's the snake, so he gets 10 and 11. His 10th is with Rob, so he yep. gets 11 now. It's not like... That pick is you're you're not banking on getting a difference maker. You have three yeah. difference makers. 100%. You have your RB one, your RB two, which is like a one, and your wide receiver one in arguably the league. So you're just trying to find guys to compliment the guys that you know are really good. And we've seen we just talked about this with uh, with Mike. We've seen good keepers carry teams to the playoffs, to the finals. Yep. So you can miss. He doesn't have his first. He doesn't have his fourth. Sometimes you go into a year and you think, oh, that he's kind of doomed. But because the keepers are so good, as long as there's health there, yeah. he's set up for success again. And he's and good at this. He's going to find guys on the waiver wire. He's going to make trades if he sees that his team is good. Let's say all three of these guys are healthy and firing all cylinders. Like, and he's 3-1 and one after week four. Like, He's going to be aggressive the same way Mike will be. And make sure he balances out that roster and he has wide receiver twos on his fucking bench like he did last year with a guy like Cortland Sutton yeah. who's chilling fucking during the playoff run. I think he started him in championship week, but you know what I mean. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Dan's set up to go back-to-back again, and God help us all. <laughs> Fuck. Well, that's it. We did it. The last thing I'll say before we get off this, if anyone's still listening, is that uh, just just quick little draft look ahead here. I sent out a message this morning, but Monday night, 7.45 p.m., I'll send out the duo call. If you're not on by 7.45, you've got some time. But I want Franco to be making the first pick at 8 o'clock. We want to get this thing moving. We have someone, unfortunately, Rich won't, won't be with us um, in on, on, the, on the chat. So we just got to make sure that we're kind of keeping this thing moving. And I do think it'll move faster this year. This but will be the fastest draft we've ever had. The idea is I don't want to, like with CRGs, we get there at 8. We start at 8.20, 8.30. Like, we're going to be on by 8 o'clock, guys. We're going to get this thing going and... and It'll be different. It'll be fun. Yep. Um, but the gist of it is that I will send out the duo call. We'll all jump on. And once everyone's on, pick by pick, I'll be entering it into Yahoo. And the idea, which I believe is going to work, is that it'll automatically repopulate the Yahoo list. Hopefully it works. If not, we'll just have to figure it out. But obviously this is a strange year. And yeah, all I know is that Mike Dotto is up to no good when it comes to trading, when it comes to collusion. I have a bad feeling. What was that all about? Something, something twisted is going to happen. Something and fucked it's going to make me unhappy. So, <laughs> Kamish has got his fucking radar up already. I, I'm already. The league hasn't even started yet. I'm already preparing to be upset, so I'm tempering my like <laughs> upset expectations. Just I know he's going to do something twisted. Yeah, there's something weird going on there. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. I even asked about it. No one answers. What the fuck? No justification. That's when you know some shit's going down. Exactly. It's going to be fun, man. I'm excited. The draft's always a highlight. Yeah. Can't wait. Can't wait to chirp all your shit picks. I'm excited, man. We're just a few days away, and yeah, welcome back to the pod, Tones. We're back, baby. It's been a blast. Let me see your shoulders.
much work. I mean, I don't know what y'all came here to do, but uh, if you ain't got a lighter, what the fuck you smoking for? We hot.